My name's Tracy Smith. I was born and raised in Kalamazoo, Michigan. In 1998, I attended the South by Southwest Film Festival in Austin, Texas. And at a promotional side event at a local coffee house, I saw a showcase featuring some of the most talented performance poets in the country. Afterwards, I returned home and founded the Kalamazoo Poetry Slam. Now, almost 25 years later, for the sake of history, for the sake of nostalgia, and for some of the incredibly talented people we've lost along the way, I give you, dear listener, the Keizu Poetry Slamcast. This is Slam Later, like the poems are like, you dirty fucking whore. But this is one of the good ones from the beginning. My ears reach in the suburban noise of night. There's a question asked in one naked moment that never I am the Smith. I am the poet. I am the Industrial Revolution. No longer bright as fireflies. And the place of finding how wonderful we are, we form the sweet nature of the future and the reasons that we sing. This episode of the KZU Slamcast was recorded on April 24th of 2001. It's the Slam Team Finals to pick the four poets who would represent us at the National Poetry Slam in Seattle, Washington that year. The feature and guest host is Shappy. Now, for my money, Shappy was the king of all nerds before it was cool and the funniest damn slam poet that ever was. And after this show, it was my intention to have him up from Chicago to feature and guest host our finals every year from then on. Then the fucker moved to New York. At the very end of this show, you'll hear Shappy's uh, signature butterfly poem. Unfortunately, that night, we ran out of disk space and didn't capture the full recording. But later that year, Shappy was set to do another feature for us on September 11th. Of course, there was no show that night, but Shappy came up from Chicago and hung out with us. And that night, he gave me a VHS copy of what he called Shappy the Motion Picture, which was a bunch of performance clips. So I want to thank Brian and Anitra for loaning me a working VCR. And with it, I reconstructed the butterfly poem so you can hear it in its entirety. I also want to thank Dan Stevens for digging this recording out of his archive because, well, when you get roommates, sometimes shit gets mixed up. But he kept it safe for 20 plus years and then got it back to me. So thank you, Dan. If there are any other ex-roommates or ex-girlfriends or ex-girlfriends of ex-roommates out there, among our tens of listeners, and you think you might have an original Keizu Slam recording stuck in the back of your closet somewhere, uh, send me a message. I'll send you the postage. I'll drive to your house, whatever it takes. And I think that's all I needed to say. Enjoy the show. There's a circle in my head. In my head.
have nothing in my hands. There's nothing in my hands. Not if it's not me now. Too kind. Well, I was telling a couple people that today I was reading Carl Sandburg, and somehow this idea popped into my mind about this song I used to sing, and that didn't make any sense to me. And I didn't. I loved the song, but then I never played it because it didn't make any sense to me. <laughs> I thought it was just babbling. And uh, so anyway, then uh, suddenly I thought, wait a minute, that makes sense. <laughs> so I thought, well, I'll play it tonight. <laughs> I am the invisible man I cast no shadow Anywhere there I go You don't see me I am Invisible man, you look right through me when you're talking to me. You don't see me, you lay upon your bed. Then you hear a sound Ah, but when you raise your head, dear There's no one around Sound 
Oh, but when you raise your hand, dear, there's no one around. I am the invisible man. I cast no shadow anywhere that I go you don't see me A couple years ago, there was this uh, thing in Chicago called the National Poetry Slam, and uh, I was not able to go, but I heard this story by Don Saylor about losing her shit, and uh, every once in a while, you get your stuff stolen, lost, replaced, what have you. This is all about losing everything that's important to you. It's called Black Bag. My black bag is gone. My black bag is gone. My black bag is gone. I just put it down. I just put it down. Someone stole the light. I switched it back on. Turned my head and saw. Spun my eyes and claws. No one heard me scream. My black bag is gone. My black bag is gone. There was this one morning I watched Dawn lick the small of morning's back like a bright cherry kiss. Summer camp never tasted so candy apple pure. And although there's something to say about ignorance, eventually bitch slapping you into a coma. <laughs> the narcotic delight of never knowing what evil will wind into your life was as overpowering, more overpowering than the primordial ooze of prepubescent cognition. Sanctity, still one part not knowing what lies beyond, one part not caring that delight is its own reward. Grasping every second and rolling both joy and sorrow into one plasma ball, bowling it toward a universe that, although indifferent, cannot help returning energy to matter, matter back into energy, the system as a whole confined in infinite wonder. This was one of the memories deleted when the black bag appeared to, seemed to, evidently returned to its atomic-numbered womb, leaving me with, my black bag is gone, I just set it down, please don't steal this light, someone switch it on, twist it back and forth, hold my eyes with fists, if you see me scream, my black bag is gone. Tools are the things of the devil. The devil uses things. He's a purveyor of stuff and otherness, which mocks the holiness of specificity. Now, Adam was commanded to give everything a name. He did not hand out pronouns. <laughs> he did not point to a flock of Canadian geese and utter, uh, them, mm. uh, those. He did not stare into the cosmos while the first light from Alpha Centauri spanked his retinas and proclaimed, the, <laughs> or maybe this. No, he gave it a name. A name of all names, that every name should bow at the feet of the proclaimed, the elicitator of nomenclature, the archangel of ontology, the deliverer of identity. You can know, you could shout into the cosmos, your lips sculpting a solitary projection, shaping air into a sonic hook designed to grasp one entity. 
predestined to connect self to matter, matter to self, and in a singular miraculous flow of being, you can know the truth. You can point and say, this is, and this is not forever. Inexorably separating light from darkness, ignorance from knowledge, enlightenment from emptiness, pulse against pulse against pulse against pulse against. My black bag has flown. I must have been stoned to have set it down. Just turn around, spin and twist my skull. Trace and twist uh, steps back home. How could it have blown? My black bag is gone. Everybody has these urges. Ever catch yourself whispering stuff to the other voices in your head? In public places, <laughs> hoping nobody can hear. Watching that guy at the bus stop looking at you, looking through you, like maybe he can read your mind, and if so, then ever have a compulsion that involves an automatic weapon? A thousand rounds of dummy shells and a three-mile drive-by through downtown rush hour? Everything people would understand and tell you how clever you were and how now they see clearly and that the banality that is their lives must change. <laughs> Ever want to admit your insanity? Instead of hiding behind the fear that society would brand you, doping you into oblivion. Ever overhear someone talk about getting on meds, choking the syllables, catapulting out of your throat? Stop! Stop! Don't be mollified. Don't let them rob you of your imbalance. It's the only thing that keeps us in balance because one day social science will wake up to discover that we're not meant to spin in perfect orbits. There are such things as tides and gravity fields beyond known galaxies that everything spins in imperfect ellipses, ellipses spinning each shape by the fields of others, all balancing with the cosmos we have yet to map. The unknown, pulling us into the known. All of it expanding, growing, changing, morphing, nothing ever totally. So if I have the impulse to gun down half of Fifth Avenue with dumb dumb shells in the back of a tracker, all I can say is, call me uncharted, you know? Call me a black hole, call me an anomaly, call me whatever you like, but I balance you fuckers. I bring you into line. I cause you to flow in your one elliptical reality, and I will not submit to your ancient notion of symmetry, which is why I must find it before all my notes fly beyond the centrifugal force into the chaos of my black bag is gone. All my notes inside, not much worth at all. Find it now and call. No one wants these things. Notes and poems and schemes for straps, coffee is none. Help me find the sun, turn around to find eyes and teeth and mind melting on dead ground. My black bag is gone. My black bag is, black bag is gone. My black bag is, a bag is gone is, black is, gone is, black is. Energy. Thanks for putting that all in perspective, Greg. T. Spiel. Judges, you will hear a poem. It will run three minutes. If it goes over three minutes, there's a time penalty after three minutes and ten seconds. I don't know exactly what it is. It's not a concern of mine. 
Let the poets worry about it. You don't worry about it either. It has, you know, it, I just got to say that. Also, they're not allowed to, uh, you know, have music or props or little furry animal puppets on their hands. <laughs> and they're not allowed to, like, touch their, their stuff. Also, no poet may go like this. Okay. <clears throat> if you see that, that's disqualification immediately because y what they're doing is they're trying to em evoke the spirit of Bukowski. <laughs> Believe me, it works. But yeah, I usually like to put a rose up my ass and then go, and then, hey, Buke, what's up, buddy? Okay, uh, okay, then you judge, then you judge. Welcome to Thunderdome. Two poets enter, one poet leaves. We got a law in Barter Town. Poems must be ranked and scored, filed away, never to be seen again like the lost ark. Enjoying yourself, sir? Thank you. This is just really important. If you could shut up, please. That'd be great. So, uh, yeah, and if you talk during the poetry, I will personally kick your ass. Thank you so much. If you pull a gun, I'll pull a knife. They send one of yours to the hospital, I'll send one of yours to the morgue. That's the Chicago way! Now let's go do some good! All right, you're gonna judge those poems from zero to 10. Zero being ass, 10 being fine ass. Please use decimal points because we have found that when poets don't, you don't use, when the judges don't use the decimal points, there's a tie, which means we have to listen to more poetry. And really, we're here to drink beer. So let's get the poetry out of the way. So please use decimals. And any, any questions, judges? Okay, it was all explained to you previously, wasn't I'm just up here like, moody doo. <laughs> all right. Well, here's what we call the sacrificial goat, ladies and gentlemen. We're going we're to give the judges a little poetry to gnaw on, like a little choo-choo for your little, you know, shit zoo. So <laughs> let's, let's give it up for our first piece of meat tonight, ladies and gentlemen, the rawhide poet. You saw him earlier. You loved him then. Love him some more. Please give it up for Greg. the bitch. So who is Brown Betty? But her mouth was Lucifer hot in the swirling bar, rock and roll moving light. Oh yeah. I should have known she was failing to appreciate my taut, firm, dippled ass cheeks, filling my faded jeans like the thumping hard skin of a ripe melon. Oh yeah. I should have, I should have known to never walk midway into a two-bitch bar bullshit conversation and blindly bleat. So who's Brown Betty? The bitches laughed like twin albino cats watching a poodle lick its sack in public. <laughs> You're gonna love Brown Betty. The one bitch coughed up like a day-old pubic hair resurrected from the back of her whiskey mouth. I should have known that two liquored-up bitches in the back of Club Soda at 2 a.m. on a Sunday morning karaokeing. Whoa, Brown Betty, wham, blam, blam. Whoa, Brown Betty was a miserable, bad, fucked-up thing. 
And then the beautiful thing began. A set of hands gliding down my dense, drenched chest, cupping my ass, working down my inner thighs, and a sex-hungry set of lips dripping into my stinging ear. We're gonna call you Spike tonight, okay, Spike? Okay? Stumbled out of my lust-cracked lips. It was the last intelligible word I remember. Don't talk, Spike. The one set of breasts poured across my shivering shoulder. Just let us take you, Spike. The other vagina barked at me. But I had no idea how fucked up a thing could be until my madness overtook me, squelching the warning, warning, danger, Will Robinson, danger. That should have, uh, you know, gone off when I crossed that dance floor line and became Spike. Six beers and a shitload of free shots, sex slave to the two bitches who were about to introduce me to Brown Betty. And on the way to the bitches' conversion van, I fantasized nearly exploding in my pants over what Brown Betty was going to do to me. I remember seeing Reefer Madness and Faster Pussycat Kill Kill. I was so proud of the sexual X Games that was going to begin with three bitches, my tasty ass, and the convenience of a conversion van. When we got to the van, the one bitch slithered her hand down between my ass cheeks, and like a python pouncing on an unsuspecting rodent, snapped her bear trap claw around my nuts, forcing me to my knees. I didn't even have time to cough. And I didn't know if it was the breast or the vagina that spoke last, but one of the three cackled, You dirty little prick, are you ready for brown bunny? Are you ready, asshole? I didn't know the bitch was being literal. I didn't know the triplets were dressing like a part of me that up to the present was as tight as a Catholic schoolgirl. Are you ready? Are you ready? Hell yes! The vagina's fist had me like a grape in a wine press. I was ready for anything to get the crazy bitch off me. And then the door slams open and the ensuing laughter spins into my panic-choked gasp for help. No, no, Brown Benny, no, Brown Benny. I don't want... No, Brown, I'm not that kind of... Uh, but it was too late. Brown Benny laid on the hard vinyl bench like a trucker while looking for some queer to bitch slap. Brown Betty didn't have to say a goddamn thing the way she was draped across that box, made it crystal clear how she was about to irreversibly change my medical records. And by the time the pair of breasts and vaginas slammed me into the floor of the ass van, it was too fucking late. So, if you meet two west side, big hair, rock and roll poser hoes at the back of Club Soda, 2 a.m., and the booze is telling you what a total goddamn stud you are. <laughs> and a pair of breasts and a dirty little vagina barks at you. So you want to meet Brown Buddy? Son of a bitch. You say. You say $49.95 at the Velvet Touch without batteries. Then you take your precious little asshole and run, Tracy. Run. <laughs> Oh, brown Betty, lamb, lamb, oh, brown Betty, lamb, lamb, oh, Greg, you had a poem, lamb, lamb, that poem was crazy, lamb, lamb. All right, give it up for Greg. Show him your love, Apollo. All right, you young, upperly mobile fucks. You win. I give up, okay? Just power walk and rollerblade over my bruised, bleeding, defeated slacker ass. And kick me and all my freaky friends out of our loft spaces and cheap apartments and go condo, pussycat. Build, build, and kick all the old men out of my favorite dive bars and charge me a cover. And while you're at it, get me a $22 chocolate martini, Jack. 
You keep crowding up all the bars on the weekend with your cell phones and your cigar smoke and your frat brothers and your sorority sisters and your incessant yuck 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 and put an ATM on every corner and never throw the bums a dime in your prime. And how many roads must a man walk down before he can find himself inside a Starbucks? The answer, two blocks. And how's your coffee, sir? How's your coffee, ma'am? How's your coffee, sir? How's your coffee, ma'am? Too black, too strong, too black, too strong, too black, too strong. Well, you better start tearing down those housing projects so you can park your urban road vehicle in a secure urban environment and continue not to support any local band, artist, or poet. But please, please feel free to talk loudly over anyone trying to entertain you with anything that might cause you to more to think than you would by watching an episode of will and grace keep improving our fair city whitewash all of our cities dirty grimy heritage into a martha stewart merry-go-round of mediocrity me i'm getting off this crazy thing dick let's give it up for shappy all the way from chicago yeah love that guy all right, now you can judge me, the smart Alec. Please, give me some numbers. I'm dying to know what you thought of it. <laughs> this is so weird. It's like, it's, this is like the poet's nightmare. Oh, I'm emceeing my own slam. I'm, ooh. Oh, it's like a pinter play. All right, oh boy, these hurt just to read. 6.5. I know, what? Uh, all right, he's consistent. 7.6, 8.2, 9.0, and a 9.6. Thank you, thank you. I don't think I'd cut the mustard here in Kalamazoo. How'd I do, Tracy? Did I do you proud? 25.8, all right. I, thank you. All right, well, that was it for the demos. So uh, let's give Greg uh, another round of applause for being the brave sack goat. I'm asking God to bless me with a tongue that speaks immortal words. Not like the God-fearing religious fanatics who raised me right, who taught me to abide the pain and intolerance of a father whose favorite conversation involved his fist. They explained that honesty was synonymous with accusation and you can't get a fair trial here either. Who showed me the way to get to heaven was to ignore the voices of the children. And while at devotions at camp, we were learning about turning the cheek, and I asked why my father hit me. My answer hidden behind a flag of salvation and forgiveness, I understood turning away and closing eyes. When my best friend at 14, a small-town redneck girl, family didn't give a damn, church expected less, was left with no direction, no support. She was an unwanted, I mean unwed mother, and that's the way the family is, darling. 
but blind to the sins of the Father, we are doomed to repeat that I'm begging God to bless me with a tongue that speaks immortal words because I want to take you to the point of meditation where the spirit soars free. Where the poor woman gives her last time, where Boaz loves Ruth, where Jesus washes the feet of his disciples, where suffer the little children to come unto me, and I will tell them that I have misled myself on two hits and a trip to the moon. I have been on a carnival ride, trapped in a steel cage, trying to escape words that have flowed from canyons of anger, hurting those I love the most. I have sold the fantasy of me for a dollar until my heart cried the tears my eyes wouldn't shed. And I will sit quietly and breathe deeply and speak of bonfires and kissing synchronicity under thunder and moonlight, of drinking with a woman I love to help her forget the pain of loss, of passion that has lasted years and love that left with the season. I will tell them about the time that I found Jesus on a dead lot and all he had to offer was all I needed because it's the hand-flip, sand-slip of reality where you are the moment you realize the purest love resides in the hearts of the ones that make us want to look away. And these are our sacred duty to love with no end. And so I'm asking God to bless me with a tongue that speaks immortal words. Give it up for Dawn. Just once, I'd like you to see me alone in a room with a guitar and an amp as loud as the devil and clean as the Lord. And I'm playing this riff like a thunderclap hard and I love it and I need it and I keep fucking it up and I keep fucking it up and I keep fucking it up and I can't stop until I get it right all the way through just once. And it hurts like a python wrapped around my forearm and it hurts like wire whips tearing at my fingertips and I love it and I need it and I can't stop until I get it right all the way through just once. I'd like you to see me alone in a room with a guitar and an amp as loud as the devil and clean as the Lord and I'm playing this riff like a thunderclap hard and I love it like a thunderclap hard and I love it and I need it and I keep fucking it up and I keep fucking it up and I keep fucking it up and I can't stop until I get it right all the way through just once and it hurts like a python wrapped around my forearm and it hurts like wire whips tearing at my fingertips and I love it and I need it and I can't stop until I get it right all the way through just once I'd like you to see me alone in a room with a guitar and an amp as loud as the devil and clean as the Lord and I'm playing this riff like a thunderclap hard and I love it like a thunderclap hard and I love it like a thunderclap hard and I love it and I need it and I keep fucking it up and I keep fucking it up and I keep fucking it up and I can't stop until I get it right all the way through just once and it hurts like a python wrapped around my forearm and it hurts like wire whips tearing at my fingertips and I love it and I need it and I can't stop until I get it right all the way through just once I'd like you to see me alone in a room with a girl and a problem as dark as midnight and clear as a song and I'm trying to help like a matador tries and I love her and I need her and I can't stop until we get it right all the way through just once and it hurts like a daydream running through my memory and it hurts like my vanity pulls me towards insanity and I love her and I need her and I can't stop until we get it right all the way through just once. Give it up for Danny! Ooh. 
Swedish poetry is great here at the craft house. I really enjoy the, the beer and the poetry here. If only they had a cheese wheel, I would be very happy. All right, let's see those scores for Dan Dan the Poetry Man. Hold them up high. All right, I'm waiting for one more score. One more number to get me through. All right, we got a 7.7. Yeah, huh? 7.9. An 8. A 9.2. And a 9.8. Don't stop till you get enough. Go down with the postcard. Don't stop till you get enough. All right, what do we got, Trace? A 25.1 for Dan Dan, the Poker Man. Next up. For your pleasure, please welcome James. This is a poem. This is a poem for all those who have been jaded and isolated. The pen and the pad is the only way we felt liberated. To the reds and yellows, all my poetic fellows, to the poets who have breasts, and those who do not, or way, or some which way, or matter which they did, we late in the abyss of the evening, you know, the one that reminds us of the blues, when no one could give us the clues to the answers we sought. Let us not look at our differences, but our similarities underneath the un umbrella of the craft that we call poetry. If this helps you remember, it is harder to shake a hand without a thumb. I have no desire to be your black token poet, your only poet to fill your racial quota for your anthologies. Please, please, no apologies are needed. You have 26 onyx alphabets to choose from on paisley white paper, 20 consonants, six vowels, A, E, I, O, and U. Ask me why I don't want to be your black token poet. America's almost ingrained in me that she did not want me or the people of my hue. When I used to wake up early on Saturday mornings as an innocent child, she spoke to me consciously and subconsciously. She whispered to me subliminally, yeah, 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 little buddy. Bedrock is just like the burbs. There are no blacks here. The future looks bright for white America in cartoon land. I never saw any non-whites on the Jetsons because Rosie did all the cooking and cleaning for you. Yet in reality, USA Today states that Mexican-Americans are quote-unquote the fastest-growing minority population. I ask you, is it time to write a new script? Oh, yes, my favorite show, The Super Ethnic Friends, where you had one woman, one Asian, one Native American, and I'll be damned, even one black man. The rest were all 20-something males with too much testosterone in there, tights. Maybe it should have been called the super CEO friend since you want to be so systematic on superpowers. Well, you say, what about Fowl Albert? Hey, but they but Fowl Albert. Hey, hey, hey. We eating chitlins today? You mean the ba 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 Booker T. Washington show? Where the only commercial ran during that hour was cherry flavor Kool-Aid. Excuse me. I mean, crimson, because this is a poem. Because black kids don't fall down. That's why all band-aids look flesh. Whose flesh? The flesh of the palms of my hands, the flesh of the bottoms of my feet. When I used to play with my G.I. Joe with the Kung Fu grip, I want to have him look at the Confederate flag and give it a flip. Shave off his five o'clock shadow, give him a gold tee just like me. But you want me to be your minstrel, your mandane, your Marion Barry, your black token poet. When I sat in English lit class, we discussed our eyes are watching God. The whole class is watching me as though I am the black messiah. And my interpretation speaks for a whole generation of blacks that have been coined Generation X, not to be confused with Malcolm. Is that why when I sat in that class, I heard the Melissa Estridge tune battering through my brain cells? I am not your charcoal Charlie poet. 
And I love my God-given 24-7 tattoo. I am just a poet, but I ain't your fucking poet, Jigaboo. You were all of a sudden, like some half-remembered bad dream of showing up late for a final exam I hadn't studied for, so I've got the wrong answers, wrong ideas, wrong opinions, wrong image, wrong everything. But you are apparently oblivious to the red pen marks you left on my life because now it's, hey, how am I? Fine. Busy. Well, what have I been up to? Work? School in Detroit? Oh, I'm in your neck of the concrete woods a lot. Why don't I let you wine me and dine me? Wouldn't work. Too busy. How's your law firm? Your son? And I don't know why I was so starched and polite. Instead of letting you in on all of the living I have been up to. And the real reasons I don't have time to put myself through the pointlessness of seeing you again. Like, I got a new man, you see. Going on a year now. Who gives the way I used to give to you, but leaves himself intact the way I didn't, and takes nothing about me for granted, and a half his best. He's twice the part you were. And did I mention he rides a Harley? He lets it rumble in third because that's what makes my thigh sing. And we tear up the night in a growling prowl that would make the leather-lined sterility of your Volvo shudder. <laughs> but you know, that's not quite right. Not exactly what I want to say. Start again. How am I? What have I been up to? Let me really tell you. You know the words and the rhythms that burrow themselves in the core of me that you could never wrap your brain around and would make me itch when I spend too much time in your suburban cage? Well, I've been wallowing in them, reintroducing myself to the ink-stained woman I was meant to be, and I've got whole shelves of velvet iron women showing me the way. Piercy has been unteaching me to not speak, and I have begun all over again, torrents of first-person singular flowing from my loosened tongue. These hips you always said were too big? <laughs> I've been paying homage to them with Clifton, letting their big, free, rolling ways make men spin like a top. I've been painting my toenails menstrual red and dancing tight tangles with Cisneros, flashing silver bangles and stiletto smiles, fiercely proud to be a loose woman. Beware, honey. Angelo has been lifting my chin and my eyes, reminding me to still and always rise phenomenally and where my secret lies and sugar it ain't where you think. So no, you may not take me to dinner the next time I'm in Detroit because as you can see, I am terribly busy, but it is not with work and it is not with school. I am busy finding the soul I set aside and I have no time for someone who helped me bury it. My dance card is so full now that there is barely enough room for the verses I scribble madly in its margins, but baby, there is just one name on it, and it is mine! Oh, Lord! I cannot write depressing poetry. There's many reasons why I cannot write depressing poetry. One of those reasons is milk duds. I used to eat them all the time until I thought about the name, milk dud. A dud is when you stick a firecracker into a frog's mouth and nothing happened. It was a waste of time. So I thought, milk, dud, milk, waste of time. Milk is a waste of my time. 
and I never drank it. And I got brittle bones. Milk duds are one reason I cannot write depressing poetry. Another reason I cannot write depressing poetry is the lousy memory I inherited from my mother. She used to say, go clean your room. And I would get her for inspection and she would say, your bed's not made. And I would say, I'm going to bed in three hours. Why do I have to make my bed? And she would say, what if company comes over? And I would say, why would company want to see my room? And she would say, to see your new football trophy. And I would say, I don't have a football trophy. I have brittle bones. If I played football, I would be broken in two. She said, I forgot. Your brother has the football trophy. All you got is the lousy memory you inherited from me. The lousy memory I inherited from my mother is another reason I cannot write depressing poetry. The last reason is Kurt Cobain. I thought Kurt was cool. I thought Kurt was a rebel, a cool, grungy rebel. And he shot himself with a gun, and everyone was sad. And I thought, if I went to shoot myself with a gun, everyone would think it was an accident, because I broke one of my brittle bones, because I would forget to leave a suicide note. So because of Kurt Cobain, the lousy memory I inherited from my mother and milk duds, I don't want to kill myself. And I think if you want to write depressing poetry, you have to want to kill yourself. That's my excuse. What's yours? Johnny, we worry. Won't you come back home? So I don't understand why I have to write the story of my own life when there's always someone there with a camera to record it. They want the perfect scene, and they're always rolling, watching me, waiting for me to fuck up the scene I'm in, and they're always watching me at work. And work is seven empty beer glasses scattered on a barroom table in a formation that means something to somebody. Only the one who would see it for what it really is never comes. So again, it's uncomfortable conversation with a blank-eyed girl. And the dead stare tells me she has no idea the cameras are all around us. But I know that they're there. It's because of the way I'm dressed and the beer I'm drinking and the song that's playing. All the signs point to them, but she doesn't see. And I can feel the cold lenses only inches from my neck. But the girl has no idea. She's content to sit and listen to the lies that I tell her. She needs something so badly she wants my lies. She thinks they're pretty and they occupy space like houseplants filling in dead air conversation. And I want to know why she wants my lies. And I want to know why that she doesn't care that she's here and I'm here and the cameras are here. So I'll just smoke another cigarette, and I'll knock the ash on the floor, and I'll kick the stained yellow filter under the table. I guess I'm pretending that today I hit a cockroach from the exterminator.
She doesn't realize that I smoked all those other cigarettes and dropped them into the ashtray one by one without remorse. But the one under the table, it has promise. It's special. And the cameraman records it so others like me will know what to do when it's their turn to fight insanity. And I need the cameras there so I can look back in an hour, a week, a year, and remember how I fought off this mental breakdown one more time. And others like me will watch and know that sanity is a battle fought by tin soldiers and drunken gods. But I'm scared I might be making too much of a leather jacket, a pint of Guinness, and an old Rolling Stones tune. But mostly I'm frightened that the lies I tell the blank-eyed girl are true and that there are no cameras and that I'm just average. And I wonder if I next time when I come here with a different girl, if I'll be the one that's kicked under the table. Give it up for Johnny. Today I'm strolling the streets of Dayton swapping stories with a fellow wordsmith. We're painting pictures of our childhood dances with words. For him, words on pages tumbled and twisted like so many mad monkeys. You see, he's dyslexic. But for me, it was backwards. I danced with autism. My earliest memory, two years old, beating my head against the floor until light spangled white behind the screens of my eyelids because I had no words of my own. They were locked down tight in the basement of my brain, and I struggled in vain, trying to beat claw, kick, snarl, howl, the elusive key loose, as I thrashed against the cage of my silence. Until a moment I wish I could remember. Three years old on the bathroom floor at 3 a.m., my mother pulling her threadbare exhaustion around her like a bathrobe as I launched my young frustration into yet another whirlwind of wordless fury, and she, too heartsick and tired for anything else, simply absorbed my beats, claws, kicks, snarls, howls, wrapping her weary arms around me, trapping my tiny, silent rage against her, and rocking me, and rocking me, and rocking me and repeating the only mantra she could think of to soothe the bone-raw desperation of her pent-up child, I love you. And the first set of tumblers clicked into place, bringing howls into sobs as my cage door swung open, sending me on my way to speech. Six calm months and many sentences later, I'm nested in the shabby recliner, clutching the dime-store cardboard of a golden book because now I am in love with the mysterious freedom of words. I know this one well because I constantly pat about with outstretched arms offering up books and please read a favorite flavor in my delicious new vocabulary. In this story, Goofy manages to serenade the animals at the zoo to sleep who had previously been thrashing against their cages. And to this day, I can taste the exact moment that those mystical black squiggles lurking beneath the pictures tumbled and twisted like so many mad monkeys and slid into glorious meaning and I could read. Tonight, I'm in a bathroom in a bar in Dayton, three minutes away from three minutes on stage, and I'm sending my words spiraling to Bridget, goddess mother of smiths, poets, and healers. And as I open my mouth to the mic, and the words come tumbling and twisting out, 30 years of pent-up language bursting out of its cage like it never has before, I realize with light spangled white behind the screens of my eyelids that the only difference between autistic and artistic is you and are. You are. I am. I am the smith. I am the poet. I am the healer. Building word by word by word those mystical black squiggles that tumble and twist into the poems I have freed from the basement cage of my brain. Wrapping their healing arms around and rocking and loving a three-year-old on a bathroom floor 
at 3 a.m. Oh, Lord. Carrie just gave me what I like to call the poetry tingles. You know what I'm talking about? It's like, that was great. Give it up for her, please. Some more love for Carrie, please. With a side dish of compassion. All right, judges. I want a cross-cultural environment. I want a cross-cultural environmental, basically an existential, somewhere between National Geographic and Monumental. I want an international poetry slam competition. I want to hear poems from all across America, from sea to shining sea, from the cold Arctics to the land down under. I would like to hear poems from upstate New York to the hard knock life of Harlem. I'd like to hear poems from the Midwest to Mo poem, Motown poems that influenced Bob Singer to sing. Poem about white collar, blue collar, and flat farmlands where silos block signals to cell phones and satellites. Even Bible Belt poems that make you say hallelujah, praise God, and sweet Jesus all in one breath. I want to see, hear those Mississippi Delta poems too that walk on 12 bars too about catfish and chicken. I want to hear those Creole poems that make you say, hey, mon ami, would you like to hear them poems about them gators? Wild Wild West poems about California, how it never rains, but it just might sink one day. Who cares about the rain when on the kitchen table that you're writing on, it starts shaking again? Enough about America. I want to hear poems about lads and lassies and Loch Ness monsters where the only luck you need is to find the pub where the Guinness and the laughs flow freely. The land of the weed people, poems about potato famine. What about bagpipe poems? More than a simple phrase of, Captain, I'm giving her all she got. What is it exactly you're giving her? <laughs> I want to hear. <laughs> I can see it now. A French woman says, Como allez-vous? I respond to her, how do you do? She's more than an itchy, gitchy, la-la, more than Maya and more than pink. She looked at me and gave me a wink. It's time again. Oh, crap. <laughs> I can't do it. I got to go. Right, okay. Okay. I got it. I got it. Poems that could be more of my native tongue of Swahili and Zulu where real man carries spirits and respecting your parents is not written in grave tablets that you forgot about when you left Sunday school. Come listen to the aboriginals talk to their ancestors through rocks and tell us where the Tasmanian doubles were real and not just on the WB. Where being a marsupial is not a minority mammal because of evolution and arrested development is more than a one-hit wonder group. So as you can see, I want an international verbal quartet of poets, one world, many gods, for poetry and liberty and entertainment for all. Give it up for James, folks. I saw you there. And I have to be vague, but I had to look twice and again a third time with a gaze like a lightning bolt striking and cracking with a snap and a surge and a blinding white light. And I saw you look back at me, change your intensity, exchanging what was left of me for what I might become.
And I saw you there, hiding, denying the sunlight, and crying for something you could not control. And I lied and said I could be everything. Everyone lied and said I could be truthful and bold. And I saw you there, silently waiting for something. Your hair casting shadows your eyes could hide behind, dying inside. And I tried not to notice you, trying to notice me, tried not to feel for you, tried not to see you there. I tried to be vague, but I had to look twice and again a third time. And I saw you there, quietly dying for starlight, alone wrapped in bar light, your eyes tilted just right. And I saw your frustrations. Your deep intuitions, your marigold cauldron of pain and deceit. I saw shadows prancing, silhouettes dancing like passion flowers and golden showers with hours like moments and minutes like lifetimes. I saw shallow rivers of your tenuous longing and deep, dark pools of your cavernous love. I saw you selling me sultry beginnings and rewarding my misgivings and telling me something with your fingers and your hair and your strawberry lips. I was there and I saw you and I sent you my intentions like a thundercloud crossing the room in an envelope of sanctuary, gripping you with the promise of a single ray of sunshine. This was that one moment when all the tears were justified and that memory solidified and I tried to be careful of you, tried not to notice you, tried not to feel for you, tried not to see you there. I tried to be vague, but this feeling came over me, holding me motionless, poised at the threshold, the truth finally finding me. I was the angel, broken wings trapped inside the wishing well. The cries were mine and your eyes, your eyes were merely reminders of the taste and texture of desire. But I saw you there. And I have to be vague, but I had to look twice and again a third time. And I found my resolve and left you there alone, standing just outside the moment where I could remember you as you are, a star set just below the horizon. Yes, give it up for Dan. Not unlike John Henry Dan versus the rail. So I'm walking surrounded by the solemn medicine of time. Teaching me patience, it reveals my phobias. Left to unravel the confusion of a minefield mindscape. Left alone with my thoughts of escape. I contemplate the rationale behind revelations. The mystery thickening like my skin rough with the calloused recognition of my lies. Enforcing my insecurity as I try to understand the contentment of comfort. Staying instead of leaving, I seem to have lost my idea of home. When self-destruction is dangerously close. When I'm wearing pastel but I feel like black leather, a kissing bandit, I've tied myself to the tracks, the imprint of rails on my back, and I think I secretly revel in shades of mediocrity. Let someone else be the next Joni Mitchell. My bed is warm, the day is sad, and the words are not wrong, just never said. Because on this journey, traveling sideways, I close my eyes and reach for the silver-edged tongue, lashing my legs as I walk towards the light, blinding me like Saul turned Paul in the sands of Damascus. I turn away from safety, the virus of stagnation. I need to eliminate the recurring theme of undermining my respect, reflects the image of my own deception and runs me ragged trying to deny that this is the truth. I'm a spinning top in the middle of a cliff drop with the realization that crashing is inevitable until I learn to fly. And out of scattered remnants of broken self-promises, I will rise and reach for my pen, allow release to come. 
free myself from the cycle, from these chains of disappointing memories of failure cursing me because like a bad trip, it's all in my head. I need to transcend my belief in a quick fix, break through the barriers of my emotions running rampant, carving out the path of most resistance, a chasm left after the glacier melts. I will stand firm on crooked ground. I have transformed the trepidation of potential affliction into dynamic animation. I will become the butterfly, the wind, my companion. I will drink nectar and spread passion like wildflowers. I will run naked through a sunflower patch at sunrise and giggle uncontrollably at the sight of my pale ass jiggling to the rhythms of nature's primal dance as I strip away the layers of scales I should have shed long ago. The tears I should have left far behind. Use like a crutch to cripple my intensity, keep my feet on the ground, my eyes refusing to see. I will rise above my weaknesses and deny my assumption of defeat. I will soar gracefully, land peacefully, and live the dream of a child, knowing I can be anything I want to when I grow up. Oh, she's a little spitfire. You know, Dawn, normally I don't give notes, you know, because I'm the MC, but if you could if you could somehow get a little more energy, that'd be great. You know? A little more conviction. Also, let's throw Dawn a couple of uh, bucks so she can get a shirt that fits. Because it's just, it's just flying all over the place. It's like, it's like watching somebody shake a coat rack over. Oh, my God. All right. I kid. I kid because I love. I love the Dawn sick. I breathe in between every word I say. <laughs> or perhaps I shock you with my deepest, darkest, sexual secrets. Like how my mother would extinguish a cigarette out on my gonad. <laughs> and still does every time I come home for Christmas. Oh, Lord, please. Won't you listen? You can see me at any open mic in town. I'll be sitting in the back, brooding. Smoking a clove, listening to Radiohead. I will read the same two poems that I read every week. They're about my ex-girlfriend from ten years ago. 
hey man, I only wrote them five years ago, and uh, <laughs> technically she wasn't really my uh, girlfriend. I was uh, just kind of uh, checking her mail and walking her dog and making sure she got to work okay. I was uh, stalking her. Uh, <laughs> that's what her lawyers say, but uh, it's cool. It's cool. I'm totally over her. Totally. Oh, shit. Is that her? Uh, no, it's just a dumpster. And no, I don't slam, man. The so-called poetry slam has nothing to do with poetry anymore, man. Not real poetry, because I'm a real poet, man, with real tears and real emotions and really shitty poetry. And if you don't like it, then fuck off. Seriously, get the fuck out of here. Wait, miss, miss, you, yes, before you go, can I read this poem about how much I would love to fuck you? I'm s I'm sorry. I meant to say make sweet, poetic love to you. Your breasts are like two quivering doves waiting to be released in the Olympic Games of my loins. Your nipples are not unlike the Middle East peace conferences. They both have really good points and I want to bring them together in harmony. Your luscious labia is not unlike two uncooked steakums. Flap boyfriend, I <laughs> seriously. Dude, don't kick my ass. I'm <laughs> I'm a candy ass. I'm a Nancy boy. I'm a sensitive little poetry boy. And my notebook is always half empty. Like my soul. Thank you. All right, this one goes out to Carrie. Does she like me? 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 She's sitting right next to me. She's bitching about how boring everything is. I agree with her. Does she like me? She wants to know what I do for a living. Fuck. I'm unemployed. I tell her I'm in between jobs. Does she like me? I'm an actor, slash poet, slash comedian, slash drunk, slash asshole. I'm a living, breathing, stereotypical, big city, bohemian moron. Jesus Christ, I suck. But God damn it, does she like me? She tells me she's an actress slash waitress slash poet slash artist slash drunk. Praise Jesus! She's a stereotype too, but does she like me? She's like me. Bitter. Getting drunk on a Tuesday. 
bored with it fucking all. I think I like her. Gotta go, she says. Gotta get up early, she says. Jesus fucking Christ, can I get your name? Can I get your number? You want to go out sometime? Hey, let's get married. I'll have the children. Look, I'm already in the third trimester. I, 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 I love you, baby. I love you. See you around, she says. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah. See you around. Hey, says the bartender. Who was that? She was a hottie. <sighs> I don't know, I say. I forgot to get her phone number. Or even ask her her name. And I'm pretty sure I'll never see her again in my life. But I think she liked me! Thank you. All right, this one is called Stinky. Boy, howdy. I am one smelly motherfucker. Let's face it, I stink. I don't smell right. I smell wrong. Horribly wrong, people. My friends no longer tell me to take a shower. They tell me to see a doctor because they are convinced that no human being could possibly be so odorific, so officious to the olfactory. Flowers wilt when I pass and puppies keel over and die when they sniff my fragrant ass. When I take off my socks, scientists flock to my house like that scene in E.T. Because they are convinced there is something quite alien about the stench coming from me. Imagine, if you will, a sweaty jock strap floating in a rusty bucket of cat piss sitting next to a block of six-month-old government cheese that has been sprayed with Lysol and left sitting in the hot August sun, then maybe you'll begin to understand why they call me the stinky one. Every fart, a work of art, a glorious symphony of sound, a composition of chili cheese fries, cheap beer, cabbage, and broccoli. So when I lay down my butt trumpet solo, you'll want to keep your distance, see? But of all the stinky players in this game of life, I'm not the worst one on the bench. Because there's a lot of stinky fuckers in this world that leave a fouler stench. People that don't tip the very cute bartender in back stink. Politicians stink. Politicians who steal elections stink. Right to lifers who bomb abortion clinics stink. People who collect beanie babies stink. 
Critics stink. Judges stink. Lawyers stink. Deadbeat dads stink. Child molesters stink. Garth Brooks stinks. Alternative rock or what used to be alternative rock stinks. Guys with short hair on top and long hair in the back stink. Guys who write poems like this stink, stink, stink to the highest of heavens. But what about those yuppies, shuppy? What about those goddamn urban vehicle driving, hummus goblin, mail order, catalog ordering, condo dwelling, the whole world's my fucking oyster shucking yuppies? Well, they may smell good to real estate developers and personal trainers, and the producers of Friends and Ally McBeal, but no amount of designer fragrance from Calvin Klein will ever mask the heinous stench of self-satisfied bullshit from me, the smelliest motherfucker in this bar tonight. Thank you. All right, I should plug the book. I have a book for sale. It's called Chappie's Big Book of Gay-Ass Love Poems. Thank you. Uh, I think I shall read Gay-Ass Love Poem. You're sitting there alone in your room, at your job, at the bar. Hell, it doesn't matter where you are. What does matter is that you are very, very, very aware that you are very, very alone. You are the atypical loner, surrounded by happy, laughing people. Sometimes people you even know. And yet you are fuzzy. You are not unlike Casper the Friendly Ghost. You want to make nice with the people, but they are frightened by you because they know you are dead. Dead inside, dead emotionally, dead tired. You're dead and roaming around the living, and man, that freaks people out. Fuck! You are freaking yourself out. Your regular hangouts where everybody used to know your name are now filled with oddly familiar strangers. You go home for the holidays... And the field where you played Star Wars in is now a Walmart. The drive-in where you first made out with that cute chick from the J.C. Penney's in the mall is now an industrial park. And you could swear that these people who are calling themselves your parents are actors from the local community theater. Where the fuck are the people you used to hang out with? The people who would call you up 12.30 a.m. and say, let's go get drunk and shoot pool. The people who'd sit around with you and get stoned and you'd write stupid songs about stupid shit. Or you'd plot and scheme your next big underground guerrilla theater project. Huh? Huh? Where the fuck are they, man? They've all gone to New York and Los Angeles and San Francisco and Seattle and whatever city's been deemed hip. And here you sit in Chicago with your fellow ghosts wondering, do I suck ass or what? 
So you parlay that suckiness into your writing, your attitude, your life, and suddenly you're holding a golden ticket to Wonka land. You find yourself zipping around the country, running into all your old friends, getting drunk off memories, and eventually the fuzziness is gone. You are in sharp, really sharp focus and ready to break into song. And you sing at the top of your lungs and find that people are singing along with you. And then you notice that the sweetest gal in the world is standing right next to you, batting her eyes like your Pepe Le Pew. And you grab her and you dance around like in The King and I. And as you go to kiss her, it all fades to black and the credits roll and there you are sitting alone again in a dark theater and it all seems like a dream until you walk out of the theater and there she is waving at you from across the street and once you get to her you realize that you are very much alive and you share the world's most perfect kiss and you're more alive than you ever hoped you could be. And then a rainbow-colored unicorn leaped out of my... Woohoo! You know, I'm really glad that we have a president in office that really supports the arts. This is called Dear President Douchebag. Dear, I can't believe I'm writing this on paper, President Bush. Just a little note to let you know that I consider you to be the most retarded douchebag who has ever weaseled his overprivileged white ass into the way too white house. You know, when I was a kid, I was told that anyone could grow up to be president, and even as a kid, I was like, yeah, right. But now I realize that with the right connections and big piles of daddy's money, America will pretty much let any asshole run this country. And without raising too much of a fuss, America deserves you, Georgie boy. All you had to do was whisper, recession. And bam, recession! Americans love freaking out about money, man. Let's them know that all the years they've busted their ass at work are really not worth much. It lets them know that they can get angry, but not angry enough to stop watching Survivor or downloading pictures of Gillian Anderson's pussy off the Internet or jerking off to a Pepsi commercial starring Britney Spears. I hope all of America enjoys paying for that giant peace laser you have planned. And if I was on cue, it looks like the Red Menace is poised for a comeback. I would say communism, George, but I know that's too big of a word for you to understand. I'm sure you'll be hiding in your closet, biting your Garfield pillow when any major problems come up, you pasty little pansy. We all know that Daddy and all of his skull and bones buddies are really in charge. I've seen a lot of Not My President stickers and T-shirts around town, George, and I'm not sure if that means that the people are sporting that logo don't want you as their president or that they just realize the truth. Oh, well, just sit back, pop open a Coors, and enjoy the ride for the next four years, you anti-Semitic, alcoholic, homophobic, draft-dodging, murderous, idiotic son of a bitch. P.S. I don't like you.
Oh, Lordy. Well, you know, the weather's changing, friends. The weather's changing. The seasons change. Seasons change. Seasons change. I don't know who's, who sang that. I don't remember. All right. <clears throat> but, uh, you know, the other last, you know, like, like last fall, I saw like a little bug crawling up a tree. It was a little caterpillar. And uh, he went up and made a little little house for himself out of leaves and spit, you know. And he was all in there, like, you know, not taking any phone calls, kind of emailing people, but not really returning email. And, you know, jerking off to the Victoria's Secret catalog, blah, blah, blah. He's just waiting. He's biding his time, folks, because he knows that when the
five. With your wings red and yellow. You just There's just one thing, dude. What's that? You have to use so many cuss words. What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs>